But I will say one of the things that is a real differentiator for us is our approach to how we engage people before they join. And that is we offer access to various of our diversity talent to meet and speak to, to learn about the company and the culture before someone comes in the door. The culture piece, the culture fit, the culture complement is so important. And so we offer candidates the ability to speak with like peers before they join so they can get a sense of the culture. Hello and welcome to the Talent Blueprint, your guide to building a talent-first company. Today features an interview with Suzanne Morneau-Wade, EVP and CHRO at Xerox. The Talent Blueprint is brought to you by Beamery. Beamery's talent lifecycle management platform makes it possible for companies to deliver more human talent experiences and unlock the skills and potential of their global workforce using industry-leading AI. Hello and welcome back everybody to this week's installment of the Talent Blueprint. I'm your host, Sultan Seidoff. And today we have a very special guest. I'm delighted to welcome Suzanne Morneau-Wade, the CHRO at Xerox, to join us to talk about all things talent. Suzanne, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm good, Sultan. Thank you. I'm excited to, to dig in today into what is, I imagine to many people, a very familiar brand uh, as a consumer, but perhaps less familiar for some of the innovations that you guys have done in talent, particularly in areas like DNI. And uh, to kick us off, we'd love for you to just uh, tell us a little bit about your role at Xerox and the kind of uh, work that you've been doing there, and then we'll we'll dig into some of the exciting initiatives. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm privileged to lead human capital strategy for Xerox. And, you know, we're some 20,000 employees strong in, you name it, over 50-some locations across the globe. But Remit is actually a little bit broader than human resources. It does also include corporate security, internal communications, and payroll. And all of those areas seemingly may be disjointed, uh, combined to really facilitate and drive our company's transformation and future growth. But ultimately, we have responsibility for our people and our assets. I imagine some of those shared responsibilities are very complementary. Opportunity to run internal comms in particular, I imagine, is very helpful in what it allows you to, to activate within internal initiatives. What's been your most, the most rewarding part of your role at Xerox? And does this breadth of the role create some opportunities that are, are unusual? So I'd say the most rewarding part of my role is being able to create something bigger than myself. I absolutely love the fact that the work that we are doing impacts people day in and day out and ultimately helps make the company stronger and ultimately helps to ensure that we are here for another 100 years. And yes, those areas are complementary in a number of ways. You know, so many people perhaps take for granted that they can come and enjoy a workplace that is safe and free of conflict or danger, or that they can travel smoothly in and out of any of our operations without any concern or issue. And, you know, that's a great example of our corporate security team 
working in the background to to protect our company and protect our people. That's a big responsibility, and that's a lot of people to be to be responsible for. I'd love to take this into some some specifics around how you think about measuring success with those responsibilities in mind, ranging from the safety of the workplace to people's success. There's a, a lot of considerations uh, for any HR leader, and it seems even more so given your additional focus on corporate security and everything else in between. How do you think about focus and measuring success? What's what's front of mind for you now? And has that been consistent in the time that you've been at Xerox? Or is that uh, something that's evolved in the last couple of years? Yeah, Sultan, great question. It certainly has evolved, honestly. And uh, not to say it's, you know, program du jour, but the world changes, our business changes, and therefore we need to ensure that our strategy and the things that we're measuring also adapt. You know, if I used uh, talent, for example, success for us is measuring key critical points from the beginning of the journey to the end of the journey, whatever that might look like. And, you know, it's everything from not just the percentage of people who accept our offers, but also the quality of those hires. We're very concerned and put emphasis on the fact that the quality of the hiring is strong. And then you think about throughout that journey, which is also, which also includes measuring diversity and movement of women and people of color throughout our organization. And so we have different things that we measure across, you know, the employee life cycle. Um, communications, for example, one of the things that um, I have really impressed upon with my team is really trying to understand the efficacy of our communications work. And so we do measure, you know, we measure things before and after we do follow on to understand not are things received, but are things understood. You probably know that saying, right? You need to hear or see something multiple times, you know, three to five times before it actually sinks in or until it's really internalized. And so, you know, that is something that we take into account in terms of success. And on the security side, another great one, you know, for us, it is things like, you know, do people understand what is required of them when they come to the workplace or when they travel to keep themselves safe? Do they know what they need to do to keep the company's assets safe? And it's everything from, you know, computers to, you know, protecting themselves. So we use that as a measurement, for example. A couple of um, really interesting things from what you've just said that I'd love to unpack. On the checking how people have understood something, there's obviously quite a lot of different things that there would be communicated and that are important at any given time. And what some organizations struggle with is survey fatigue and review fatigue. Um, and obviously, you have to focus. You can't check on everything, but you have to pick some things that perhaps are more critical than others. How have you gone about deciding which initiatives or pieces of communication you are going to really zoom into in terms of that before and after, and which things, I guess, are, are more critical in that perception of the employee lifecycle and which of these things we really need to measure more in, with more rigor? I wish this one was uh, one that I had an easy answer to, but it's a bit of trial and error, Sultan. You know, I'll use an example. We launched our employee engagement survey, and from that survey, we gleaned a number of insights that we wanted to probe and understand more about. 
So we chose, you know, some 15 different topics of a larger survey, and we took a sample of our population, and we then did focus groups. So in-person, face-to-face, you know, focus groups where we could delve on these 15 different areas that we wanted to probe and get more insight, more information, and actually try and solution as well. So, you know, that is one way in which we sort of balance this, you know, engaging everybody, survey fatigue, but also being able to encourage real feedback in these live sessions. And that question around encouraging that kind of culture of feedback and discussion, does that touch on your approach to quality of hire? I think that component of how do you really measure the quality of hire is, again, a a difficult thing for any organization to get right and obviously varies by different functions and departments, but inherently does require some form of dialogue. How do you set the right expectations pre-hire and how do you then check against those? We're seeing more and more businesses have to be very strategic about that in the turbulent environment we're in now, where we are seeing a pretty common pattern of having to be more deliberate, even about whether we hire internally rather than externally and, and really be more thoughtful about those things. But we'd love to, to understand a little bit more about how you, you've approached that and, um, and whether there's some overlaps in methodology there. Yeah, this is another area that we continue to evolve and adapt. I would say prior to the pandemic and prior to the um, you know current really war for talent, we enjoyed... Uh, higher offer acceptance rates that were well into the upper 90s. And our quality of hires, we would say, was probably approaching that same number as well. And, you know, things have shifted. Uh, So for us, it is about being much more, as you said, intentional, certainly using behavior-based interviewing scenarios, which we are, you know, proposing to candidates, ensuring that interview slates are quite diverse in composition. But I will say one of the things that is a real, I think, differentiator for us is our our approach to how we engage people before they join. And that is we offer access to various of our diversity talent to meet and speak to, to learn about the company and the culture before someone comes in the door. Because, you know, very much like, you know, failed mergers and acquisitions, you know, someone coming into an organization, the culture piece, the culture fit, the culture complement is so important. And so we offer candidates the ability to speak with like peers before they join so they can get a sense of the culture. That's something that we've actually seen to be both an overlooked and a super important approach to what happens post-hire and to creating overall inclusion. This topic around what makes DNI strategies effective, we we run into with every organization and people obviously take different approaches. But what you've just described, I haven't heard that formulation before of actually getting your existing team members to connect with talent pre-boarding and before they join. We do have um, one uh, customer that uses our system that noticed a trend that supports what you're saying, which is people from diverse and underrepresented backgrounds 
very often end up leaving because they don't know who to speak to and don't see people like themselves in within the organization and don't see how their career could evolve into certain roles. And the impact on retention of diverse talent by opening up those conversations and that kind of career transparency is enormous. Um, we've seen it be over 200% higher uh, retention rates in some, in some of the organizations that have taken these types of approaches. But I haven't heard of people doing it pre-boarding, and I think that's super powerful. How did you land on that? I know that you guys have a lot of innovation in the, in the diversity space. How did that get started, and um, uh, how did that extend out of some of your pre- previous approaches? Yeah, that came about through our talent management team as well as our ERGs. So uh, the two working together really came up with this approach. And I think it's quite unique. We have also enjoyed very high retention rates as a result of it. And uh, we'll continue to offer that. I think it's also likewise with our ERGs. Right. So, you know, to your to your point, if individuals can see themselves in the organization and see people who look like them, particularly at senior levels in the organization, it creates much more stickiness for that individual. I think it also helps tackle one of the most challenging things for many organizations, um, which is making these programs authentic and actually carry across the entire talent life cycle. Uh, and I love the extent to which you guys are clearly thinking about the talent journey from pre-hire to employee, and I imagine also post-hire, and thinking about that as a continuous life cycle. What's been the biggest challenge in creating that continuity of experience? And I guess uh, internally, has there been any pushback to some of the methodologies you have to use to, to think about that so thoughtfully? I think the challenge for us now is that everyone is not necessarily physically in the workplace. And so you have to think about what that experience looks like for people in different locations. It's much easier to control, so to speak, when you have everyone physically in one place. And so it requires much more creativity, much more thought and openness to thinking about you know, the experience for everybody. I imagine even more so now that we're going into kind of a, another wave of different expectations and anxieties. Uh, I think in the current environment, folks are having to, to deal with a new wave of personal concerns. How, how are you thinking about, you know, what lies ahead as you look into next year? What's front of mind for you as we grapple with some of the changes over the last two years and now potentially with some new ones? You know, we are certainly of the mindset that flexibility is warranted and, uh, you know, should be offered where necessary. But we're very much a proponent of the value of being together and coming together. I think about uh, when I was, uh, you know, coming out of school and in my first, you know, first job and the interactions that I had with mentors and managers, but also just my peers. You know, we would do the, you know, every Friday going out for beer, but, you know, connecting for lunch every day. I mean, there was just so much camaraderie there and learning and sharing that just doesn't happen through this sort of medium. And, uh, you know, very much we think, you know, a company that is leading innovation, who wants to innovate needs to ensure that people are coming together. It's very hard to innovate in your silo. 
And so we very much believe people need to come together. I think that innovation piece is uh, also something that perhaps hasn't been talked about as much, but is very apparent to companies like ours that focus on innovation and where some of that value of people coming together isn't just a personal factor, but also an accelerant of being able to problem solve and being able to be more creative. And I think we're starting to see this pattern, as you've put it, of flexibility, but consideration of what does happen better together and how you optimize for that and starting to to settle into some new ways of working. I imagine this also touches on some of those employee experience components you mentioned, like the ERG interest groups and how you connect employees and candidates. How do you take that consideration of flexibility and being better together into your DNI approach and agenda? This is certainly one that uh, we continue to evolve, right? Um, lots of conversation uh, on this topic, but you know, certainly from you know, we've been very clear with our ERGs that we would like people to be together to, as you say, you know, accelerate innovation. We view it as a business imperative for us. And we rely on our ERGs to help us understand where there are issues that we aren't seeing as it relates to this and ensuring that we create the environment that is safe. Because I think we all have seen those studies that those who are generally people of color and women feel safer at, uh, you know, at home. And so we need to make sure that we remove any of those barriers and any issues. And uh, we, we rely on our ERGs to help us identify those if we don't see them, because we don't want those barriers to be there. Well, your, your work on uh, removing these types of barriers uh, goes beyond Xerox. I know that you've worked on a better chance the initiative that places high-performing students of color in the, the best uh, independent and public schools in the U.S. and supports their educational leadership journeys. And uh, one of the things you said is that education can change one's life trajectory, and the mission of giving underrepresented young people that opportunity is quite powerful. This also speaks very closely to our mission here at Beamery, which is to create equal access to work and to focus on skills as a driver of that. But I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about this this broader work you've been doing and this uh, A Better Chance initiative. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, A Better Chance is, I think, one of these hidden gems. I honestly had not heard of A Better Chance, uh, you know, prior to five years ago. And as I started doing my research and talking to the organization and ultimately meeting parents and, and those who benefited, I saw the power. I, I really saw the power of this. And for us at Xerox, you know, we have always supported the community. We've always supported ventures that can really tie our what we see as our long-term vision with the community. And STEM was an area that was uh, an opportunity or one that was lacking with a better chance. And so for us, we created a partnership with them where we could offer mentoring, education, exposure, mentoring, training in the area of STEM. We could bring students in to learn about uh, various positions and learn more just about the field itself. So that is one of the things that we have done. 
in this last year with the passing of our uh, vice chair and CEO, John Byzantine, we created a uh, scholarship in his name to recognize any individual student who wanted to pursue education in STEM and are providing scholarship for their full four years of education. So, So those are just a couple ways in which we are really trying to put the emphasis on on education and be a partner to this great work that ABC is doing. That's an amazing way to, to lead by example and also to uh, to honor somebody's legacy. This uh, also sounds like something that connects back to the multi-threaded approach you take at Xerox to drive the diversity agenda. I understand that this dates back all the way to the 1960s and has been really deeply embedded in it comes across as a very much a diversity and innovation focused DNA. What are some of the other agendas or initiatives that stem from these diversity uh, groups and these independent groups within Xerox? Yeah, so I think I'll, I'll speak to one of them. One of the opportunities that we saw in conversations with these ERGs was the need to really have some sort of development for our early talent employees. And uh, YP Nexus, which is our ERG for, for, early t- for really early in career employees, we came out with a, uh, we, we developed a um, program. It's a one-year immersion, and it's really creating exposure, education for individuals who are selected into this program. And we choose about 50 people per year. And uh, it's sort of intensive, you know, sort of the intensive MBA, so to speak, but uh, really balancing the hard and the soft skills in that one year. And so that is one of the programs that we have developed as an outcome of this work. We have graduated one group and uh, we'll be graduating the next group here in the next few weeks. That's uh very cool on a number of levels, um, including that focus on skills. I think that uh, consideration of focusing on skills as a more inclusive way of progressing early talent is something we're starting to see a lot of organizations take success in. I, I also have started to see more companies using ERGs as a way of being more thoughtful on the type of communication that you give to those groups of talent that you want to nurture over time. And uh, what we're starting to see is some companies using these types of events and these interactions with external candidates as an opportunity to let people express an interest in certain ERG groups and then create communication with that in mind. But what it's also starting to open up is a conversation around how do we report on the diversity of our early talent and our different pipelines with also skills in mind. If we want to understand, do we have a diverse pipeline of potential talent for certain future skills or things that are coming in the future? How do we even analyze that? And it's um it's a tricky new dialogue, especially in this environment where we don't know which uh, roles we'll have to hire for now versus the future. There's such a explosion of potential directions that any business can take. How do you think about that question around pipelining for diversity? And is ERG grouping part of the strategy of thinking of how to build those pipelines? Well, I do agree with your your comment that uh, you know sort of predicting the skills of the future is tricky. We are trying to do that ourselves, but you know, frankly, I think if any of us look back to the last couple of years with the pandemic, 
there were a number of new skills which came about that none of us could have even predicted. And I, I think that that will be the same in future. We will try our best, I think, like everyone else, to uh, attempt to define what uh, some of the skills are. But I will say that there are some soft skills that I think are often un- overlooked, which are much more important today than ever before. And I'll just use the word empathy. Empathy is an important one. And I don't think prior to this pandemic, we would have even thought about having a conversation where we assess people on empathy. And in fact, it is one that Xerox will be adopting in its new leadership competencies. So we will have empathy as one of the things in which leaders will be measured on. Never would have thought about that in the past. And I think, you know, the ERGs have an important, important role in helping us think about the skills of the future, particularly some of these soft skills, right? Not just the technical or, or, you know, some of the harder skills, but I do think that they bring to light things that are often not, not obvious. We had a similar insight emerge halfway through 2020, where we added a new cultural value in our organization, which is to act with kindness. I think it's interesting how certain things, I guess, you take for granted until you're confronted with an environment where we become unintentionally unempathetic when everyone's behind the Zoom screen and you don't know that somebody might not be in the same boat and you don't know necessarily what's going on in their lives. And I think it's uh, it's interesting how you've embedded that into hiring and assessments. I think that's uh, probably a trend that we will see in the future, but it's uh, it's not many organizations I've seen that are, have already brought that into uh, into their leadership principles and assessment culture. That's very powerful. Well, this takes us nicely into our final segment, the future of talent. As we look at all of these pretty major changes in the ways we work and the ways we have to think about how we treat each other, how we look for insights into what people need in order to make them successful, a lot of things are moving at the same time. And you guys are obviously an innovator, not just in the work you do for your customers, but clearly in your HR function and the way you approach some of these key considerations, both in diversity and in creating high-performing high teams. If we zoom out and and see where things land four or five years from now, where, where do you think we're heading? What do you think are some of the things that people need to keep front of mind? And what do you expect or hope to see happen in, in the next couple of years? I think this... I think this conversation around uh, employee value proposition, the deal, I think we will have a new deal. We're seeing this now, right? A new deal between employee and employer. I think that will continue to evolve. And I think that perhaps there'll be much more balance than we have seen in the past. Because frankly, I mean, you know, we all know that for many years, employers held the upper hand as it pertained to everything. And I think, you know, that is something that is we will see continue to evolve over the next few years. I also think this aspect of development and personal attention and focus on improving one's skills is going to have even more focus in years to come. Because I, I think, you know, to our conversation of skills in the future, I think many people found themselves ill-prepared 
And I think that uh, we will see much more focus on both employee and employer side on development of talent. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that the employer responsibilities and helping people navigate that is, uh, is very important because it's hard for people to know what skills to develop and um, to even answer this question of what skills I have. But I think as a responsibility for organizations to help navigate that conversation and help people see where they can navigate into where the organization is heading, it's going to be super critical and also uh, will assist with agendas like diversity, as you've been saying, making that um, a much more thoughtful conversation. Well, thank you. for Sultan, I would probably add one more if I could. Yeah, of course. I think that relates to the to the ERGs. We are seeing an explosive amount of focus on ERGs in companies. As I talk to my peers in other organizations, people are looking for ways in which they can identify, but also in which they can help support and be allies to their colleagues. And, you know, it's no surprise for us. We have added two ERGs in the last two years. So one for veterans and one for those with hidden and visible disabilities. And I suspect that we will have more. I suspect we'll have more. So, Well, I also hope to see companies start to emulate what you've been doing with connecting uh, new hires with employees. And I think ERGs will have a critical role in that too, to facilitate who you, who you can meet and how to best drive these conversations. It's a uh, it's, it's really amazing to see the kind of things that you guys are doing. And I, I, I definitely couldn't agree more with hoping that that's where we see the world heading. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much for uh, this, uh, these amazing insights. It's been uh, such a pleasure hosting you. Thank you very much for having me. The Talent Blueprint is brought to you by Beamery. Beamery's talent lifecycle management platform makes it possible for enterprises to drive more human talent experiences and unlock the skills and potential of their global workforce with industry-leading AI. Beamery optimizes every step of the talent lifecycle, from sourcing and identifying talent with the right skills and potential, to building and marketing your employment brand, creating an internal talent marketplace, and mobilizing your employees through getting the reporting and talent insights that you need to make better decisions about your workforce. Are you ready to unlock your talent? Learn more at Beamery.com.